Hello, and welcome to this special edition of Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And ordinarily on the show, we'd be discussing Frank Herbert's Dune chapter by chapter, but this time we are continuing our Dark Tower discussion. Uh, this is our special spoiler, chock full of spoiler mini episode. Yes. We had a lot to say in the previous episode about the gunslinger that we didn't really feel comfortable revealing a lot of stuff that happens later in the series. This episode is just for people that have already read the series. So if you have not read the series and you don't want to be spoiled, don't listen to this episode. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> we might a little. No. I mean, not won't. this time. <laughs> not this time. So, Megan, you had something to say. <sighs> My issue, so we were talking about the movie, which I yes. only just recently saw because mm-hmm. I just never, I think that was one when I had a very small baby. So, yeah. I, and then I just kept hearing things that were not fantastic <laughs> and I just sort of pushed it down. And it was also one of those dang movies that you can't just rent on Amazon because it's owned by, you know, whoever has the rights. Sure. So you can't rent it. So it's just like, ah. Then never mind. (laughs) And I get, so one of the things that I mentioned on the episode proper was that I read a review that said that the biggest failing of the movie really was that it was incomprehensible for people who hadn't read the books and very watered down and, you know, boring for people who had. Yeah. Which I agree with. And one of the big issues that came up a lot when they were writing, like when things were first coming out about it was that elements of later books were in the story. Like, uh, just, you know, more stuff about Jake and more stuff about, well, the Tahin and mm-hmm. the Dixie Pig and yeah. the Breakers and all that stuff. And then they said that it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a continuation. Because yes. Roland, I believe, has the Horn of Eld. Yes. And I remember that, like, leaking in a photo and I was very amped at the time Mm -hmm. and that to me was like okay cool because so the books as i'm sure you all know it ends with the beginning again like it's roland it's a cycle yes roland starts another cycle and then the movie was supposed to sort of be one of those later cycles which is why by the end of it he's a little more like touchy-feely like hey Mm -hmm. jake let's be bros and go on adventures together which I'd argue he couldn't do without Eddie and Susanna as well, but I all right, agree. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has their part, and it's not just all Jake, but okay. <laughs> um, but man, that movie was so boring. Yeah, I mean, the thing about... Okay, the thing about the series as a whole and how it relates, and this does relate to what you're saying. The whole thing about... One thing that Roland says over and over and over again, so many fucking times through the series, is that it's his destiny. It's his call. Like, he's he's got this thing. He's got this mission. He's got to do it. Mm-hmm. He has no free will. He must do it. And yet, he ends up in this cycle where if he had just exercised his free will, like, yeah. if he had saved Jake, for instance, he, I feel like that would have broken this cycle. But no, I mean, it's... I feel like, and this was the interpretation by uh, the gentleman that hosts the Stephen King cast, um, and I kind of agree that Roland is actually in hell, that this is hell. This is one thing that Stephen King likes to say a lot in his work, is that hell is repetition, mm-hmm. and Roland is just, uh, he actually has a story in um, Everything's Eventual uh, yeah. about a woman that is experiencing like dying over and over and over again. She's in hell because she had an abortion. Um, less on, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> Let's like just a Christopher say. Pike book. That's like that. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, he, uh, I feel like that. So like when he meets Jake in, especially in the gunslinger, like, he says something about like feeling the sense of purpose, I think, or, you know, like mm-hmm. feeling this sort of ominous feeling. And I feel like that's because he's known Jake before, because this has happened before, because this is all, as they say on BSG, all of this has happened before and all of it will happen again. Like, yep. we don't know how many times this has happened by the time the first book starts. I mean, uh, it's, I don't think it's the first time. 
I think it's 19. You think it's 19? Yeah. yeah that's probably I think it, I think it's 19 and that if we were if if he was to rewrite the entire series for the next one, then mm-hmm. everything would be 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're I, probably I, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. Um but I I mean that kind of translated a little over in the movie, but I I was I hoped for more when I saw that they had released that picture of the Horn of Eld. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh. <laughs> yeah, and then for the movie to just like we said, to not to barely have Roland in it. Yes. Uh, first and foremost. Which yeah, it's there are criminal. certainly parts of books that feature other characters, but it's mm. to introduce them with regard to their relationship to Roland. Yes. You know, like we get a lot of like Eddie's backstory. Which, mm-hmm. you know, yay. Um, oh, I love Eddie. I love Eddie. I Eddie doesn't make good choices and I don't always want to have to hear about them. Sure. It's the same way I feel about Larry in The Stand. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, my um, God. Let me tell you. Rereading oh, dishes the stand, of cocaine. Just dishes of cocaine that you're just paying for, Larry. Yeah, I'm telling you, like rereading The Stand right now has been eye-opening because like, I've always liked, I was always like, I love The Stand. It's the greatest book. Uh, Larry's the best character. And Larry is a good character because he Mm -hmm. does, like, as we said, like, learn to grow and learn to love and, you know, all of this other stuff. But Larry is awful (laughs) he is awful and he makes terrible choices and yeah don't bring random chicks home to your mom's apartment that wasn't even his mom's apartment that was his her apartment oh that's right yeah Ugh. but his mom didn't know where he was so yeah yeah no still him being an asshole son yeah and i cannot imagine a world including the miniseries in which that song is good no. But anyway, God, I'm really, I really can't wait to see what they do with that in the new stand series. I, it's gonna be like I don't even I can't think of a modern. It's gonna be just like Old Town Road. I was really hoping it would be something hip hop that they would like cast Larry as um as black would be my ideal and have you know him be like a hip hop artist would be really fascinating to oh instead me. of just a white guy that everyone says sounds black yes and then they're oh racist my about God, it I yeah i hate that <laughs> look the stand is not a perfect book <laughs> and uh yeah please stop uh, acting like it is and and the issue that i had especially with the movie yeah is so yeah we get other aspects from other characters but it's always to connect them to roland's story yeah and i think even you know most of eddie's backstory that we get roland's in his head yes um hilariously always (laughs) the best roland in our world is my like chef's kiss oh it's It's my favorite anything it was my favorite part of the movie to this day i say tudor fish sandwich tudor fish sandwich uh (laughs) put something on your sandwich looks a little less like cum yeah. Uh, and I mean, and I even I did like that part in the movie when he's asking Jake if there's bullets. I liked that. I did think that that was I laughed. at that Yeah. When he's just like, are bullets really rare in your world? Like they are here. And Jake's just like, don't worry about it. <laughs> You're going to love You're gonna it. You're going to like it here. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought that was probably the best part of the movie. Yeah. And then like him in the hospital and getting like all the painkillers and stuff. Yeah. And even though I didn't care, like, there were levels of it I didn't like, I mm-hmm. did kind of like him chiding, like, the teen girls on the bus. I just, that was just sort of funny, like, kind of just Roland, Roland being, being daddish. Roland. Yeah, he's being a, an old fogey. Yeah, him yeah. just kind of being like, oh, like, and I like that he just sort of did the, you forgot in the face of your fathers. He didn't, you know, call them whores or, oh, you know, yeah. anything. It was just this kind of like, don't talk to him. Or Look at you. he didn't like, call them <laughs> gilly girls. Chili girls. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That is a definite line of just language that I could totally <laughs> get your point is when he first walks into Tull and he sees a kid, like a teenager with a yeah. girl. And he says that the girl could have been his sissa or his Jilly girl. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> okay, fine. Yes. We're in the old West. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and... But, like, they took – there's so much stuff from this series that obviously you weren't going to put all into one movie. It wouldn't make any no. sense. But the way but, that they mashed it up was quite terrible. And they didn't 
they took away the exact wrong stuff. I mean, Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey was just playing, like, I am a villain in a fantasy. It he was, was playing Jeremy awful. Irons from the Dungeons and Dragons movie. He really was. There was no personality to that character at all. Like, And I like some of the aspects of him using, like, his powers. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was just so... Why was that entire movie about him? I mean, the whole thing is, like, okay... Martin, they've kind of like have alluded to Martin and Flag being the same person, and now they know are. If, yeah, okay, so they're they the are. Same they're the same person. So Flag is he's a devil, but he's a charming devil. You know what I mean? Like he's he's <laughs> wears always, a lot of denim. He wears a lot of denim. He's always laughing. I mean, he doesn't always wear denim. He didn't wear denim in Eyes I of the know. Dragon. Like, like. I'm thinking of the miniseries with Jamie Sheridan and his Jamie mullet. Sheridan, bless. Oh, my God. I could never <laughs> take him seriously after that. I'm like, what are you doing on Law & Order, Jamie Sheridan? Get out of here. <laughs> where's your mullet? Yeah, where's your jean jacket? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> um, yeah, I... There is just... But, like, Flag is a personality. I mean, he's terrifying. Yeah. but And he is disappointing later on when he does come out in his oh rainbow my- flag. Oh, my God. And he gets killed by a spider baby. (sighs) I hated that. (laughs) Megan, I hated that so much. The whole Mordred plot line. The whole Mordred plot line is horrible. I hated Maya. Yes. I hated Mordred. I hated hated that Flag remembers being born on a farm when he dies. Like, we don't need that. We don't need that ever. (laughs) We don't need his back. This is the thing. Like, this is why. This is not the main reason, but it is definitely one reason why I hate Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. The Mad Hatter does not need a tragic backstory. No. You sons oh of my bitches. God. Like, or a dance number. I hate it so much when you give, like, okay, I feel like villains can totally have good backstory. That's fine. Yeah. But this was not one that ever needed backstory. And no. I I hate it. And they even, they gave the Mad Hatter tragic backstory on mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time, but at least there he was Sebastian Stan. Yeah, I mean that. And it's Once Upon a Time, you can't take, you can't really ever take that show seriously. So No, I mean, everyone I mean, had a tragic backstory. On it was Once just there time. for funsies. Um, Rumpelstiltskin had a tragic backstory on Once Upon a Time. See, as I said, I am reading... Um, reading this stand and you know there's kind of a part in this stand where someone is under hypnosis and they are talking about flag and they Mm. say you know the jesus put him into some pigs once and he said his name is legion and i thought that was really kind of cool like yeah it's kind of a cool way to mix like i feel like there is definitely a place for our for christian religion in science fiction and fantasy Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting way to do it. Uh, and I like the idea of Flag being like, sort of like just a rat's nest of demons. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like he needs to be a farm and I've boy. Often, I've often liked the way that there is sort of spirituality in a lot of King stuff where it's yeah. not. I mean, I'm hard pressed to think of one where anyone is full on like. And Jesus is the Messiah, and uh, like there's more generally like God. Yeah, I like, mean, there is evil say, and there is good. I would even say that like Father Callahan, who from Salem's Lot, who's also mm-hmm. in this series, like yeah, oh right, hey, yeah, there he is, guys. It's it's everything. I would say even he is not that much. Jesus saves, you know. He's yeah, more like goodness and and light against exactly dark and evil you know and i and I, for the record course, i'm very uncomfortable with all of the talk about white is good yeah <laughs> i yeah. don't think it's intentional in that way but just given the way things are right now it is uncomfortable to read and i think unless i mean well unless you're reading the novel revival which gave me an existential crisis thanks oh, Stephen no. king <laughs> i haven't read that one yet oh. but i heard it's good it Oh, it's brutal. Yeah? Okay. It is cool. brutal. Um, I know some people don't like it, but, like, I thought it was very good. And then, like, yeah, there's parts in that where I was just like, oh, God. I, I don't oh. mind the brutal stuff. I, I yeah. can deal with it. But it's like when you have a character that's supposed to be a good guy that slaps a female character because she's It does have, I will say I this hate. about Revival. It has the, the later, the latter day Stephen King thing of not... 
a middle-aged writer as the mm-hmm. main character, but a middle-aged guy in a rock band. Mm-hmm. With a substance abuse problem? With a substance abuse problem. How'd I know that? <laughs> at, who does have an affair with a much younger woman. Oh, yeah. Because how could she resist <laughs> this old guy? Yeah. Uh, I do like how that's sort of become the thing. Oh, I do enjoy that because, you know, that's always been the big joke is that, you know, Stephen King characters are always writers. Yeah. And, you know, that that whole thing. But, like, now he's still a writer, but he's always also been like, I'm in a dad band. And now <laughs> his characters are all like, I'm in a dad band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I know. I And the whole reason I wanted to reread The Stand because I read Chuck Wendig's Wanderers, which I will never stop shouting to the rooftops how much I liked that book. So it's on my to-be-read cart, but yeah, there so is, is actually, 800 other things. Yeah, there is actually a rock star character in that book, <laughs> but it subverts a lot of those tropes because he's gay, and um, you know, he does love sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He just likes gay sex, so. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, you get like you know charlie from lost who was just in a really terrible band <laughs> oh yeah so in the pantheon of fictional songs from movies and tv and and literature which is worse you all everybody or baby can you dig your man well baby can you dig your man was never used in a diaper commercial with larry That's in a true. diaper so <laughs> i think it wins for that and I do, I do like that Larry's backstory has a very realistic depiction of this idea that, you know, as soon as you get a hit, you're a billionaire. Yeah. Where, you That's know. That's not the got, case. Yeah. He got like, you know, $5,000. Royalties. Yeah. And I think that is something that there were little things that I have noticed, because uh, I'm also rereading The Stand, mm-hmm. that I mentioned some of these. I, I don't know that a lot of the, we're speaking about re- revisions. I'm reading mm-hmm. the revised edition of The Stand where it takes place in like 1990. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of that carries over because I don't think a lot of his sort of lifestyle in L.A. is still very written for the 70s. Yeah. Early 80s. Mm. Um, I feel like the amounts of money he's paid. I don't think that any song with the word dig in it would be a hit in 1990, honestly. (laughs) And I also don't think that in 1990 anyone would be stunned and amazed that a white guy had a song where people assumed he was African-American because that's sort of, you know... Oh, God, I can't think of it now, but uh, never going to give you up. Yeah. Like, that was a big thing for him. That that guy, I forget his name. Oh Rick Astley. Rick Astley, yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, I mean, it, this, it, it, it wouldn't have been like this, oh, my God, like, what? Yeah. I mean, there were, you know, famous, you know, people, no one would have been that stunned by that at that point, at least not to no. the level that people are in the book. And also things like um, Stu mentions that he was in the war, and it's like in 1990, yeah. which war? Like, I know yeah. they mean Vietnam, but if it's Desert 19... Storm, wasn't that, like, a year ago? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Vietnam, how old are you? Yeah. Like, I know we were in Vietnam for a very, very long time, but I... Uh, when? Yeah. Like, when it, is it supposed it to be? It doesn't quite work. They didn't quite go over it with as fine a tooth comb as I feel no. like they did with the uh, Dark Tower, but I think that was mostly in the hands of his assistant who compiled the whole, like, Bible and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I feel like the movie, like, it, it takes from the first book, the, I think we see parts of, uh, definitely the sixth book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It's just That's really a, it. There's nothing of the wasteland in there. Well, I'm going to no, tell you. the house. The house is from yeah, the wasteland. Yeah, the house. And that was kind of a letdown because, oh my as God, we said, was. like, there's no Eddie there. And that was such a fascinating aspect of that chapter was, you know, Eddie sort of midwifing Jake back into Midworld, I thought mm-hmm. was what I mean, like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it now. I thought it was such a such a compelling scene. And so it really stayed with me for a long time after I read it. Like this it's sort such, of and it's I mean and it didn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to put that in the movie because it's also such a thing in the book that this is, you know, because we discussed in our episode that mm-hmm. you know jake dies jake yes. dies in our in his version of our world and then like kind of is reborn in midworld but then dies in midworld uh but then the jake that we meet later on is from yet another earth but has the memories and they're kind of driving him insane because he's got like two life lifetimes in his head mm-hmm 
Yeah. And it's what happens is, as you said, like Eddie kind of, you know, he's sort of rebirthed into Midworld and the two are are combined and he is just Jake. Just yeah. one Jake. Uh, and that's like a huge important thing. Like and it happens for another character as well, but it's not as like dramatic. Like I don't feel like it's as huge a like there's yeah. not a house and all that kind of thing. It just <laughs> she kind of just does it through like willpower almost. Um but yeah, so just to have it be like, oh, it's a spooky living house. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's it's it doesn't have the same impact. No. Really. I mean, I felt like, especially if you were just going to have Roland and Jake and not bring in Eddie and Susanna, or even talk about, like, Jack Mort, like, these are big, important parts of the later part of the story. Like, you really need them for that, just just for the later parts of the story. Yeah, and I think that that's, it just didn't, it, they pulled everything from the books that is sort of basic, generic sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. And put it all together, and then it didn't make any sense. Like, there made no sense who the Tahin were, Mm-mm. why they worked yeah. with Walter. Um, the Breakers, they barely oh my God, even yeah. touched on that. Like, the Breakers were introduced in Hearts in Atlantis, I think, and were more of a thing in um oh my gosh black house which is the mm-hmm. sequel to the talisman i call it a sequel in name only it's to me like as as a dark tower book it was good as a sequel to the talisman a horrible disappointment um because <laughs> in my opinion like the talisman is a perfect novel if you haven't read it it has a lot of the same themes as the dark tower it's very much like Huck Finn <laughs> meets yeah. Fringe. Like it's it's yeah. it's very weird. It's very um, strange. You know, it's very strange. It's very weird. It's very but it's very beautiful, and it's this real like coming of age story. And there are moments of that book that I find truly terrifying. Even re- I just reread it last summer, and you know there are scenes like Jake trying to get away or Jack trying to get away from Elroy or. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where he and Richard are I- at Richard's school and like they kind of slip into an alternate alternate dimension for a while there and the school starts to rot around them like <laughs> and all the kids turn into these monsters like it's very good yeah <laughs> and just as a complete book it's kind of to me it's the perfect book imagine at least they didn't make that into a movie um I think they're talking about it. They're talking about everything at yeah. all times. I, I I do think that it's been slated to become a series. Um, yeah, we have... Um, well, The Stand is definitely being developed as a series, but I, I think I heard tell that they're doing... And really, that's what they should have done with The Dark Tower. They're, they had no business making this a movie. Yeah. Well, they're doing... And they're doing that series now, but it's like... But it's it's like young Roland. Yeah, which like the comic Roland. books. Yeah. Which are good. Yeah, I, I like the comic books. I think they're really it's this they're well written and the art is gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Um I just I feel like a lot of my issue with Wizard and Glass in particular is that again, I I don't know how much young Roland I really needed. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I mean, I think that's just one that maybe I need to just sort of revisit because when I was reading it, I think I really, because I've really only read that one the once and it was while I was reading all of them and I did just sort of think like everything is ground to a halt. Which one did you only read the once? Wizard and Glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the wasteland ends and then it's like, oh, and now Roland's going to tell a story Mm -hmm. about his youth and his lost love and yeah. it's like okay great <laughs> uh so i think that was a problem for me but i think if i were you know if i reread them and you know focus on that one again i think it'll be a little less sort of annoying the urgency won't yeah. be quite as there to be like i gotta keep going i gotta keep moving oh yeah because it does just kind of grind like the the it is such a step away from the story which had built so much momentum up to this point that when you when you step back into Roland's past it really everything just grinds to a halt yes and it's 
one of the things that really has always irked me about the, this series is, and it's, you know, a little bit based on what I was saying about Roland, young Roland being a real ass <laughs> to his mother in particular, yeah. is that one thing that we do learn about Midworld is that there, there, there's not been a lot of feminism. No, God. Um, you know, there's a lot of depictions of most most female characters, especially when they're showing any kind of community, are sort of they're sort of the cliche in any like you know Mrs. Olson from Little House on the Prairie, like yeah. you know so proper and so like oh my goodness gracious what's happening over there? Mm-hmm. Uh, like Susan's aunt is like that. Yeah, um, you Susan's know things. Aunt Cordelia, is, Ooh, what a bill. Oh, she's got all kinds of issues. Uh, she's another one who is just desperate for some of that D. Yeah. And there's Cordelia makes... and then what is the um name of the the woman that runs the saloon? I don't remember. Coral? Possibly? Cuz there's Coral and the um and then Olive is yeah. the is the mayor's wife, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, there it's a very, you know, like there's a reference in I forget if it's in the revi- the original, but in the revised edition, when he first goes into Tull, mm-hmm. he passes uh, a group of women who are walking on the sidewalk and they're all pointedly ignoring him and they're all wearing like identical, like high necked blouses. And yeah, uh, interestingly for the revised edition, I think they are wearing pants, which I remember being a big mm-hmm. deal when I first read it, because I think in drawing of the three, he, when he's on the plane, uh, He's seeing like, things through Eddie's eyes. He's stunned that the stewardess is wearing pants. pants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, like, Susan is, like, constantly in pants. Uh, but so, yeah, so everything is still very, you know, this idea that it's not a fantastic society for women, which is why it bugs me so much that mm-hmm. he, even though I get he's a teenager. Yeah. You know, his whole idea of just like, well, my mother is this terrible person. And it's like, well, she doesn't sound like she's entirely like she's not she is not strong enough to have married a gunslinger. And that's not an indictment of her. No, it's it's a lonely life. It's a lonely, lonely life. And it's the same. Like, you know, I think when we've talked about in Dune with Lady Jessica, you know, she probably has had a lot of, you know, lonely times as well. But she's got shit to do. You know, yeah. she's, we've discussed that. She's the Duke's business secretary. And yeah, she's, she's raising and training more... Paul. And she's got a lot more going on. She's a lot more and, focused, too. Yeah. yeah. She's had and all even, this training. She's had all this training. And I think that even just from the little things that we hear of them starting their lives in Arakeen, mm-hmm. she knows how to run a household. She's yeah. thrown fancy dinners and parties and all these things. So she's always had stuff to do. You don't get the idea that Gabrielle has anything to do except yeah. dress up in the morning and sit around. And do embroidery with all the yeah. ladies' maids, which, God, just shoot me already. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and her husband is, you know, okay, fine, amazing, but is always doing something, is always possibly going to die. It's kind of uh, that, that Is not part... the warmest person in yeah. general because that's just not how gunslingers are. I think we can make an... an um... We can definitely make a parallel here between uh, Gabrielle and Anna Karenina. Mm-hmm. Anna is also married to a sort of cold-blooded, you know, icy politician. Um, and everyone tells her all the time how great he is and she should be happy. But she's a very lonely person. Yeah, and I think it's very easy to discredit loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I think that that yeah, is because something... if you're not lonely, you don't. Yeah, it's like loneliness is one of those things that you forget what it feels like when you don't feel it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like I mean, it's like being sick. Mm-hmm. You never remember what being sick is like until you're sick. Yeah. And I. And I think that it's it's especially when we get more. I do think you know Roland eventually does realize more mm-hmm. that you know he misjudged the situation. And that, well, what his mother did was not great. I mean, there's even... The thing that I think what always drove it home to me was that after Roland passes his test and he does the challenge and everything, Mm -hmm. like, he goes to try to challenge Martin, who's basically just like, yeah, fuck you, kid. Like, (laughs) you know. Gabrielle is, like, so distraught that she basically goes on a retreat, like, a religious retreat, because she's just so, like 
broken by, you know, she's betrayed her husband, her son is upset, you know, she's just upset. And Martin follows her there and basically, and he admits this, harasses her into having more of an affair with him. Yeah. She's a vulnerable person that is taken advantage of horribly. Roland is kind of just like, at that point, I think he's like, oh, maybe this isn't entirely my mom's fault. Maybe this guy's just a bastard. (laughs) And, and he and took advantage of a vulnerable woman, yeah. And I'm by no means saying that, like, she couldn't, I mean, I don't know how approachable Stephen was, that she couldn't have been like, hey, buddy, I know you got a lot to do, but I mean, I always hang got out the sometimes. sense that he was kind of a remote person, kind of cold. I think they're all remote. I think yeah. that's their, it's it, their lot in life, unless you're Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then, of course, Roland kills his mom by accident yeah um he thinks he sees a witch thinks he sees a witch but it's his mom and she made him a belt and it's very sad yeah uh and so yeah it's just i think they do hint at at that in in this book or one of the subsequent like before four because they say you know when he left he left a matricide yes But but I do think we are led to think that he might have just killed his mom because she was cheating on his dad. Yeah, yeah, and oh, it's for not sure. as as black and white as that. And I kind of wonder if that was sort of Stephen King's own retcon, being like, uh, you know what I'm doing with this character is not great. Let me make her a little more sympathetic. And I think and I think it's interesting because there's not a lack of people, men and women, in Stephen King books mm-hmm. who do not. <laughs> Everyone kind of commits a lot of sympathetic adultery. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like in The Mist, mm-hmm. uh, that the guy, the main character of The Mist, sleeps with the woman uh, when he's, I don't think at that point, even entirely sure his wife is dead. He just assumes yeah. she is. Um, in The Dead Zone, uh, what's her name, sleeps with Johnny when he comes back. And the, a lot of it is sort of in this... Either it's desperate circumstances and mm-hmm. people are taking what comfort as they may, or it is a lot of, uh, like, I would say like Bill and Beverly in it when it's more of a destiny thing, mm-hmm. like this has to happen, yeah, because uh, that's what you know they start to remember more of what yeah. happened to them when they have sex, and yeah, so there's just a lot of circumstances in which people are like just sleeping with other people and it's just look at human nature yeah and i think i mean that feels realistic to me i i agree um but so i'm never judging people for that but at the same time like there are times where i'm like oh my god really like (laughs) this is not either a time nor place for this but i felt that way i didn't watch it for very long but when i did watch the walking dead i was always sort of like you're really gonna have sex right now (laughs) <laughs> what with Lori and shane it, like, well just anybody but yeah, yeah like yeah. i mean you're just, really like, asking for ha- it just having sex you had, on that show as have any of you had baths <laughs> lately yeah i actually saw uh i think norman reedus i saw him on like i think ben it was still like uh whatever former host with uh kelly and ryan Oh, but yeah. he was talking about that, and he actually made a joke about that, where he was just like, because they said something about his character never had sex. And he was like, nobody takes baths. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know like, your yeah. character's not taking a bath. <laughs> oh, dang. We know Daryl has never bathed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's really fine. I'm, I'm not shitting on Norman Reedus. He's a gorgeous no, no. guy. But yeah, Daryl is very greasy. <laughs> he's got other stuff on his mind i'm just saying you don't want to have a yeast infection when (laughs) you know and deal with zombies at the same time it doesn't yeah i really felt like the only time that i thought that that was realistic was uh maggie and glenn the first time because they were literally in a drugstore yeah with condoms and she was like yeah sure whatever let's do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah like like, all right fine (laughs) Um, also i mean it was glenn yeah i mean uh apocalypse or not if you yeah, get the really. chance seriously <laughs> but oh, i so pretty i think that that was an element that always bugged me then with this in dark tower because mm-hmm. it was like okay literally so many characters in these books are doing this and are not 
villainized like this. And mm-hmm. I get that we're supposed to be seeing it through a 15-year-old's eyes. Yeah. But still. And even <laughs> even his dad, and that's the thing, the thing that gets me, is that even his dad is like, yeah, I know. I've known for two years, yeah. He's like, I've known, and I, like, you know, you get that he's kind of just like, I don't really know what to do about it. Like, yeah. Mm. And that's because they're not good at, like, relationships. They're not good at um, communicating. You know, it's so he doesn't really know what to do. Yeah. Uh, but you'd think that Roland would have taken a little bit of that to heart. Just kind of be like, well, all right. I mean, dad well, didn't immediately run in and exactly. you know, smack her. I, th- so. I think that's kind of like the point that Steven is trying to make there is like, I've known for two years and I didn't run off and do something stupid. Yeah. The way you did. Like, I have more important things that I'm having to deal with right now. But, I mean, also, I guess... I kind of wonder if Steven was maybe a little more sympathetic to Gabrielle, too. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it was he was more sympathetic or he... I mean, I don't think it was that he just fully didn't care. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, when you have, like, an uprising... As we said, it was a time of civil unrest. There was an uprising. Mm -hmm. You know, they were at... I guess a war is the way you'd say it, but you know, they had a lot going on and, you know, domestic matters probably had to take a bit of a back seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, you know, it becomes this catch 22 because that's the exact reason that, you know, she started having this affair in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I certainly hope it wasn't with Matthew McConaughey and that wig. Oh my God, that wig. What the fuck? Although they did mention it in the uh, movie. There's like the two second reference, but where you're supposed to get that that happened, but yeah um we never of course we don't get to see gabrielle in the movie because why no. would we ever get to see a minor character that is a yeah. lady although I to be fair the... we don't get to see susan either no i think the only female characters we really see are like the tahin and the chick from uh fury road yeah and then uh jake's mom jake's mom uh mm-hmm. lagartha from yeah vikings and uh the seer yeah. Oh, the right, mystic, right, right. mystic seer lady. I only saw that movie the once. <laughs> well, I just saw it like two days ago. So. Yeah. So my, I'm a little fuzzy right on it. Um, yeah. I actually, when you told me you, you watched it, I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch it again and just no, refresh my that. memory. And I was like, um, I don't think I want to. Honestly, the most disappointing thing for me was that we did the uh, we did the free week of Showtime to mm-hmm. watch it because we're just like, eh, we'll cancel it. Yeah. But then we were looking at it afterwards just to see like before we cancel it, and like there's literally nothing else on Showtime. Oh I no! Watch. I was just like, oh. I was gonna say you could watch all of Penny Dreadful, but that's on Netflix anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the series is just there's so much stuff that would have been cool to see. And now it's a little disappointing that it feels like we'll never get to see it because if they're doing yeah. this series that's young Roland and we're not going to get to see Eddie or Susanna. Or, yeah, I am, I will always be disappointed I didn't get to see who they would cast as Eddie Dean because Eddie is such a great character. I love him a lot. I love Susanna a lot. We'll um, never get to see Dr. Dooms on horseback. Yeah. throwing golden snitches oh my god Ugh. so i guess we'll never get to see stephen king play stephen king as for stephen king sake. i mean we could get joe hill to play him we very much could i've yeah. seen him in life and yeah he does look exactly like his dad <laughs> yeah it's spooky <laughs> it's very spooky um yeah i don't know i mean i feel like uh it, it's it was such a waste that movie it was just such a waste of everyone's time yeah I mean, not even the the brief parts with Idris Elba were really enough to carry it at all. And it's, I dislike when, I'm, I get that all, you know, adaptations are not going to be great. And mm-hmm. we've discussed this before, but I really don't think, at least in my Well, how could it be experience. great anyway if they're pulling from, like, two of the most, like, one is probably the most misunderstood book of the series with the first one and then yeah. the, the sixth one which is like the the worst I, I'm just and it's so the worst much of the is series. built into that getting to that point yes. that it's just like well none of this makes sense because you just yanked it entirely out of context mm-hmm. and you got a weird voiceover in the beginning a la Dune yeah. and it's just like okay but I mean but like I haven't met a lot of people I'm sure they exist but I've met very <laughs> few people who have seen 
David Lynch's Dune and that robbed them of any desire to ever read the books. Yeah. Some of them just might never have been interested in reading the books to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I, I mean, I haven't experienced, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people who are like, oh, I saw that movie and I was like, those books must be awful. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's what could happen with this movie is like people are going to see Dark Tower and be like, oh, well. That's mm. some bullshit. I'm not, don't want anything to do with that. And it's and I really mean, sad. I think we were very clear with our episode, but I mean, I don't think we need to reiterate, but. Idris Elba was great as Roland. Oh yeah, yeah. And if you have more of that, issues with please. that casting, eh? Yeah, okay. yeah that's your problem. Live that's your, your life, sad yeah. misfortune. <laughs> uh, um, live, live your life. I mean, I I feel like you know I'm very harsh and critical of the last three books, um, but like I I I understand like when you're totally faced with your mortality in such a way and i mean because he really did almost die yes he was in critical condition for a while and then 911 mm-hmm. happened like right after when he was still in recovery like he was literally still in in traction when 911 happened and he's you know with those two things combined like that it's like oh fuck you know death yeah. is everywhere so I understand why he rushed through those last three books and like felt this imperative need to finish. But Megan, we haven't even, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even going to get into the whole Stephen King writing himself in as God. I harp on this a lot. (laughs) It drives me crazy, but I feel like I'm a little more sympathetic to it when I look at it in that context. Like he he really wanted to finish because he didn't know if he was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. But at the same time, like, you really see the care and the craft that went into the first four books. And it's (laughs) where is the last four? Just like, oh, shit, (laughs) let's get something on paper. Um, That's not to say that they're not enjoyable for what they are. I, I think that even though I keep saying like Song of Susanna, the sixth book is my least favorite. There's actually part in that book that makes me cry every time I read it. So, I mean, there's something to be found in them. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. Am I allowed to be disappointed? You are. And I mean, and I know plenty of people who dislike the ending. I personally enjoyed the ending. Well, Um, I honestly think a little better of it now that I look at it in the context of Roland being in hell. (laughs) i'm actually kind of like okay that's kind of cool see and i don't even see it like that i just see it as this is you know someone who has i mean i i wouldn't say it was hell necessarily i Mm -hmm. would personally save it more of like a limbo situation like a purgatory where this is the thing it's his his destiny ultimately regardless of what else he might think that it is his Mm -hmm. destiny is to protect the dark tower yeah and he's only getting better at it and mm-hmm. getting better, I mean, as trite as it is to say, growing as a person. Because yeah. I would wager that I don't know how many times frequently there was a Jake or an Eddie or a mm-hmm. Susanna. Because, you know, they all correlate to other members of his quartet, you know. And yeah. we don't know, like, when was the last time that, you know, Cuthbert was there or elaine or anybody yeah you know he remembers all of this is happening in his past but what does that mean in this context you know like he had i i've always seen it as he had you know he was born he had his childhood all that stuff happened you know wizard and glass everything else happens and then you know then there was a point where it all just started going around in this this circle yeah and is a wheel caught is a wheel Mm -hmm. and I would say that even if I don't even think necessarily if there was another book as opposed to the movie, that mm-hmm. if this is in fact like his 20th time, if he starts again at the end of the of the book, at the end of the Dark Tower, mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know, he necessarily will need to meet a Jake or a Susanna or an Eddie because maybe there'll be someone else. Maybe he's, you know, reached a capacity where he can accept more help. Yeah. Like maybe if he meets, you know, another version of Brown, he'll bring him along or, you know, yeah. take more time to talk to him. Or maybe if he passes through another version of Tull, it'll end differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a minor thing, but it's like he has the horn at the end. So obviously, like some stuff has altered. Like he did care enough to get that back. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to not caring because everyone was dead. 
I mean, so I I wouldn't think of it as hell per se. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bittersweet to think that you know everyone else because at the end of the Dark Tower, everyone else does get a happy ending, um, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and it is very bittersweet that his you know his quartet gets their happy ending in this alternate New York where they're all together, mm-hmm. and you know his guns end up in the garbage can, and he is just going on but i think that that's 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 his destiny his destiny is to protect the dark tower and his destiny is to keep going and maybe ultimately yeah it's bittersweet but maybe by 25 Mm. he he will like you know learn to love accept people like have more help make better choices and then it'll be over make better choices that's the thing it's like because and this is what i was saying earlier like i feel like because so much of this is my destiny, my destiny, my destiny. He never like chalks anything up to this was something I did of my own free will. And I feel like mm-hmm. there's all that's always the struggle in in stories like this with these grand light and dark themes as like there's a like supernatural did it very quite well actually like the struggle between fulfilling a destiny or exercising free will and I feel like that's part of it like Roland needs to learn how to accept responsibility and Mm -hmm. consciously choose to do things and I feel like that might be why he has the horn when everything resets is because he has chosen he has made a choice you know and I feel like yeah yeah I mean I feel like that's that's more about breaking the cycle is like choosing to do things and I I honestly feel like if he was to choose to save Jake then that would be the last time that he does it. Like he would be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think all you can do Letting a child that... die like that is a pretty big black oh, I mark believe on it. your soul. Yeah. When I first read it, I was very just like, what just happened? Yeah. Cause, and I think it also is because you are used to in these sorts of stories that it would be like, this is his new little BFF and his adopted son. Yeah. And then they're going to be mm-hmm. like so happy forever. And that is, you know, ultimately kind of what happens. Yeah. Um, but twice. not twice <laughs> yeah but not initially because he hasn't gotten to that point yet and i don't know like i i would like to hope that it won't be like 20 more times mm-hmm. around yeah um but and i do like that it doesn't restart it's not restarting like when he's 14. No, it starts when he's walking like, across the desert. Those choices are made. It goes like, full he circle. He cannot change that. Yeah, it comes back full circle too. Um, Cuz I do feel the opening lines of the gunslinger. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of lesser authors would have done that. Yeah. Like would have kickstarted it back to a point Back before a lot of the really terrible decisions were made. Yeah. Uh, but I like that this is like, no, those things have happened. Like, you can't change those things. You can change these other things. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, you can't bring your mom back. You can't bring Susan back. You can't bring your friends back. Um, right. You can just move on from that and choose how you react. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, and it's really interesting to me because I never thought when I read this first one, I had no idea that it was, you know, going to turn to this whole, like, you know, cosmology, (laughs) like, (laughs) philosophical. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think people can act like that's like a silly thing to take away from a series. But I mean, I've seen lots of people who talk about how, you know, they started caring about caring about ecology because of Dune. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or linguistics because of the Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Or things like that. And it's like, you know, I think a lot of reading The Dark Tower is about growing and about redemption and about how you can't change some things, but you can change mm-hmm. what they make you do. Yes. Good point. And giant turtles. Yes. And giant bears. Giant bears. Uh, who should have been in the movie. Although I would have been sad if it wasn't like Eddie and Susanna. And- yeah. So speaking of giant turtles, and I'll just say this briefly, is that the giant turtle in it is my favorite character. It yes, I agree. <laughs> that was a very funny point that was brought up on the the We Hate Movies episode about it, the yeah. miniseries was how <laughs> oh I forget which actor it was, but um, one of them was like a huge John Ritter, I think, was like mm. a huge fan of the book. It was like 
how how are you gonna do the turtle and they were just like we're not there, no there's no turtle <laughs> we're not doing that oh john ritter i miss you every day i know i can't, can't imagine being in that and being so disappointed you're just like ooh, <laughs> and the turtle they're like no we're not doing all that stuff <laughs> we are not doing the grander cosmic like i mean you're flying through a, a you know a great cosmic dimension you know, it's completely outside of your own understanding and there's a giant turtle that's bigger than anything in the universe and it says it threw up the universe because it had a tummy ache it's just so weird and so banal and so silly and i love it i rolled my eyes a little at the it like you know easter egg in the movie oh the pennywise yeah yeah a little bit womp womp (laughs) although that was another exchange i did enjoy where jake was like oh you have theme parks and roland's like you know oh we don't know what these things are the people who made them have moved on and jake's like yeah it's a theme park (laughs) i i knew what it was i said it like already um yeah so any other uh gunslinger related spoiler type stuff you feel like you want to cover i think we covered it pretty much yeah Um, i i do think that one of the things that I do enjoy, just really quickly, because we yeah. were talking about the turtle, I do like the difference sometimes between in the universe where there are the very lofty things about, like, the beam and the mm-hmm. turtle and everything, and then there's just the, all things serve the fucking beam, like yeah. that. like The the profane and the sacred the, mixed yeah. together like that. Yeah. It's very The, the one of the people. Yeah. You know, there's those people walking around going like, oh, the turtle, and other people are like, yeah, that fucking turtle. Like, yeah. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> like yep yeah i i like that it never takes itself too seriously no yeah. no i will say that i mean i think that that definitely i think it, there are moments it almost comes close i feel like but... this book was probably the one that took itself the most seriously but it was definitely trying for something and he actually like stephen king actually kind of references that in his foreword to mm-hmm. the revised edition because he says you know he started writing it when he was 19 like yeah. when you're 19 like holy shit like yeah. you, know, you think yeah. you're hot shit you think you know everything and you are very very wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think he kind of acknowledges that like it was really kind of self-important because <laughs> i was like oh, i'm writing this this book and... yeah <laughs> well we're glad that he did Yes, very much so. I'm glad he wrote all of his books, honestly, except yeah. maybe Dreamcatcher, but um I'm trying to remember. I did read Dreamcatcher. There are things I actually liked about it, but overall I did not like it as a book. No. <laughs> My problem with Dreamcatcher is that so I went through a huge phase of reading just tons of Stephen King, and yeah. then I kind of didn't for a while when I was like I think early college. Yeah. And then I read, I was at a relative's house and they had Bag, bag of Bones, oh, which yeah, I read and I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is okay. Awesome. Like, this is really good. Like, mm-hmm. get back. And so I finished that one. And then they also had Dreamcatcher. And I was like, sweet, back on the Stephen King train. Going to yeah. read this one. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. So, yeah, it was just a little bit like, eh, oh. I didn't like the ending. I thought no. it was weird. But any kind of like alien invasion thing, I'm usually pretty down for. I'm I love fine. X-Files, so... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. I just... I think my problem sometimes with universe building is... And this is something that I've often said as kind of a joke because I read all those books mm-hmm. uh, about giant crabs. <laughs> is that in every book, in every book, attacks start to happen. Yeah. And there are people going, oh, there aren't really giant crabs. And it's like, it's literally on the fucking news <laughs> that giant crabs are killing people. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't think that it's true. Seriously. <laughs> like, this would be even pre-internet, because a lot of these books are from the 70s and 80s. This would yeah. be the biggest news in the world. Like, yeah. This, like, the second book, I think, takes place in Australia. And they're just like, ah, was that real, though? It's like, yes. <laughs> what are you talking about? It was real. Uh, so... Anytime stuff happens in, like, Derry, even though I get that that's part of the curse when people are just like, what? This town is fine. We don't talk about Derry. (laughs) And, you know, like, so Dreamcatcher takes place in, like, that same area. And it's like, okay, shouldn't there be other shit going on? Like, also now there's (laughs) aliens? Yeah. (laughs) Even not assuming that Pennywise is technically an alien? Yeah, I was going to say, technically there were already aliens. Well, he's kind of an interdimensional alien, which is different. He's more of an eldritch horror honestly he's a oh god i forget but like she base, actually we're misgendering uh, her <laughs> i i feel like uh pennywise transcends 
gender, gender. frankly. Um, yeah. It, you know, uh, Pennywise reproduces in a sense that we would consider it female, and that mm-hmm. is like the real revelation that you know the Well, Beverly has, has an old yeah. cat's revelation. Oh my God, it's female! female! With like a thousand um, exclamation points. <laughs> and poor Beverly. Yeah. And but. That'll be. I think that's going to be really, really interesting yeah. for this new movie because I do think that people are, especially if they haven't read the book, are very Pennywise is a dude. Oh yeah, Pennywise is Bill Skarsgård, and I want to have sex with Pennywise, and I go, what? What <laughs> is happening? Please, Internet, can we stop, stop that? Stop that, guy. Stop. It's not cute. Look, I get it. The Skarsgårds are beautiful. Like I had All of them. a very like I did have a Tumblr dedicated to Hannibal stuff. But that's because I like the art of the show and I like Mads Mikkelsen's cheekbones. I do not want to get down on Hannibal Lecter. He terrifies me. Um, not even Mads you, Hannibal Lecter. No. Have you read the novel Hannibal? Yeah, I've read all of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just because that was, you know, Thomas Harris knew we um, all felt that way and still said, ha ha ha. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I remember yeah. that was the first book I ever read where I actually like sat up and said, what the fuck? <laughs> what did she just do? Oh, I'm not comfortable <laughs> with this at all. Clarice. No. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. But yeah, so I think I don't, I, I don't want to you know, shame people. <laughs> but Pennywise is played by an actor who, yes, is pretty attractive. Mm-hmm. He's not my favorite of that that gang, but hey, no. you know. I take Gustav over Bill. Yeah, no, frankly, I would as well. Uh, but Pennywise yeah. is an evil clown mm-hmm. that kills children. Yep. Uh, and other people, but like children. Yeah. And... I need the vulnerable. To, he kills the vulnerable. And I know that it was, you know, very popular for a time to do the whole like Pennywise and the Babadook thing. Yeah. But the first person that Pennywise kills in the novel It is a gay man. Yeah. In a horrific sequence that they are actually putting in the new, yep. new movie. Um, so like, eh, could we not? Maybe yeah. not like Icon or, you know hey, if you want to have sex with Pennywise, I guess that's your own deal. But it's a little bizarre just yeah. because, like, he's always, like, a bloody-faced clown. Yeah. I don't know. He's got big teeth. Yeah. And he's actually a giant spider. Yep. Um, Like, that's... He's a spider, guys. Yeah. A big spider. I'm with you on this, Megan. I I don't. I know you are. I know you are. I don't support the you know the wobification of, of uh, you know horror villains. I'm I'm not like I Mm -hmm. think yes okay haha that was cute, but yeah don't have crushes on Pennywise. Don't have crushes on Hannibal. Just as a rule, just don't do it. (laughs) Like don't crush on Freddy Krueger. He's very disrespectful to women. What about that scene in Silence of the Lambs when he strokes her finger when she hands him the folder? What about it? <laughs> just, Nothing. I did it do anything for me? Not particularly. I'm just, still just like he, okay. Yeah, he eats people. I know his name it rhymes with the way that he is evil. I know. <laughs> I mean, I think at the time because I saw this movie when I was a bit younger and I was like oh I see they have a connection they have you know whatever yeah. but I thought that, that would make a more interesting way for her to catch him the way that yeah. and yeah maybe it did but the way that they in that just kind of I don't know it, it destroyed all the goodwill that I had towards it I might have maybe been a little whoopee if I hadn't read Hannibal Okay, I mean that's fair. I mean, and, and I'm not Mads saying Nicholson's Hannibal, no, because <laughs> oh. there's like no humanity in that character. No, at no, all. that is granted. Like He's a he is beautiful man. He is a beautiful lizard. Beautiful. He is a beautiful lizard, and he will eat but you. He, yeah, his his Hannibal was like, lest we forget, you know, locking Abigail up for a year mm-hmm. and killing her brutally. 
killing her brutally, what taking Anna Chomsky's to... arm. Yeah. What he did to cats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, very good looking. Oh, I fucking love Mads Mikkelsen. Like, that's why I had a whole Tumblr <laughs> that was nothing but Hannibal stuff. Ah, uh, Tumblr. Because Hannibal is a beautiful show. Like, it's grotesque and beautiful. But And Mads Mikkelsen is beautiful. But Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal is truly terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't remember ever being so scared of a character before. And I think that that, I mean, I will say, and this is very blasé, but mm. I think it speaks to how uncharismatic Matthew McConaughey was as Walter, because I am just on brand into villains. Mm -hmm. It's my thing. Not clowns that kill people. Yeah. But... Or space spiders, but um, oh, I'm into yeah. villains. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen and Casino Royale. I mean, exactly. Mama. Um, yeah. And the fact that I was just entirely just like, eh, eh. Yeah. Nope. Nope. What are you doing? You're hamming it up. And I don't, I'm not feeling it. And it's like, how do you take one of the most charismatic actors that we have? Exactly. And make him great. so dull. How does that happen? For me, I think the issue is this. Yeah. I think if Matthew McConaughey, because he is very handsome, very charismatic, and mm -hmm. a very good actor. Yeah. If he was playing Randall Flagg mm -hmm. in The Stand. Amazing. Yeah. I think that would be like the villain role he is born to play. Totally. Playing, frankly, playing that exact same character, but in a different, like, you know, incarnation. It yes. just wasn't working. His more he was, jocular incarnation. He, yeah. He was just doing, I, I just, I didn't think that the bringing it within the different, like, worlds was doing any favors for that character. No, not at all. Uh, because when he is Randall Flagg later on, then there is a little bit more of that. Because he's sort of like, he's been in our world. He's been in that world. Whereas yeah. I feel like Walter slash Martin is still very in... Of his own world. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so to have it be this like, oh, he's in our world cooking chicken. And <laughs> he's in their world, like you know, slashing people across the face for looking at him wrong. You yeah. know, it's just like, eh, yeah. this is not that. It was very flat performance for Matthew McConaughey, yeah. which, I mean, like I said, like, I don't know how you do that, how you manage to take Matthew freaking McConaughey and make him boring. But they did I did it. like that Roland loaded his guns in the super fast way. Oh, yeah. That was because That's such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh man well if we start talking about how hot Idris Elba is as Roland we'll be here all night and you have a child to take care of I do <laughs> so I think I we'll just wrap it up that was our yes. our spoiler filled discussion yes. um, of all the stuff we wanted to say in our previous episode but couldn't but if you have thoughts if you have anything you want to add you want to tell us what drives you crazy or what you love about this series especially what you love about it you know where to find us. We're on uh, Twitter at WeirdingPod. You can email us at WeirdingPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Find us anywhere. Reach out. Say hi. Yeah, please do. We like that. Like, you can just, you know, ask us anything. Totally. Or, I mean, it's like... If you want, like, a rundown, we've got, you know, Dune, Dark Tower. I yeah. know that now Bo could... is into Wheel of Time. I have never read it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I We know can talk about Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal, uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, um, all that stuff. Like, all all that kind of good stuff. Just, like, mm -hmm. bring it. If you want to only talk in, like, Dark Tower slang with me, go for it. Please. <laughs> I, I think... Please do it. To be fair, I would feel more comfortable doing it online than I am speaking it out loud. Granted. Yes. I cannot guarantee the next time I see you in person, I am not going to do that. But then I cannot also guarantee that you will not just walk away from me. So, hey. Never. I'll never walk away from you, Megan. You'll just, you'll, I'll get, I'll get one of those gestures that's okay. usually reserved for birds. Before we go, you know who would have made a, a way better Martin than Matthew mm -hmm. McConaughey? Jake Gyllenhaal. But just let him be Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> He's so goofy. He's so yeah i know exactly i love like, it flag is a goofy villain him just talking about sean paul yes or just being himself yes mm -hmm. i no, mean I like i've it. i've seen nightcrawler i know what he can do 
That's true. Yeah. Well, I think that will do it for this time. Um, yes. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Dune content. With the next episode, we'll be talking about Yodorowsky's Dune. So that mm-hmm. should be a really fun discussion. We will have our friend and podcast co-host um, Josh Hollis will be in Yay. the seat for that one. So we're excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we'll see you guys next time. 